and welcome to Eye on Oakland. I'm Chuck Moss, your host. We've got a great guest. We're going to jump right into the show. We have Crystal Proxmire, who is the editor and publisher of the Oakland County Times. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what is the Oakland County Times? So we're an online news site and we, you know, we cover local news, local politics, events, anything that's going on in communities um, all the way across Oakland County, from Hazel Park to Holly, from South Lyon, all the way up to Ortonville. We're, we're trying to cover everybody. That's a big, that's a big beat, but someone's got to do it. Uh, it's not like print media is doing it anymore. So I'm glad. How would someone access uh, Oakland County Times? So oaklandcountytimes.com is the website. Um, we also, you know, have a Facebook page and we're on Twitter as well. We can put that up on the screen, by the way, Oakland County Times, which would be good. Anybody wants to take a look. And you've got some uh, very good news yourself as the subject, not the coverer. You received an honor. You the Oakland County Bar Association's Liberty Bell Award. What's that? Yeah, so that is, um, you know, the Bar Association honors attorneys every year, but they also honor one um, non-attorney person, and they picked me for doing over 800 um, candidate interviews. We do little videos sort of like we're doing here, except for anybody that's running from, for office, anything from library boards and school boards all the way up to um, congressional candidates and presidential candidates. Um, I've been able to interview over the past about five years. And uh, we've done over 800 of them. And so it was a real honor to be able to get the um, Liberty Bell Award for that. Well, full disclosure, I've done a couple of your interviews and uh, I wouldn't miss it. Uh, so great. Now uh, let's get right on. I'm going to ask you real quick. So you've got your finger on the pulse. What's going on in Oakland County? Well, there are a lot of interesting topics happening. You know, business is sort of starting to come back from the pandemic and people are trying to figure out, you know, the challenges that we're facing with things like you know, housing and, and development and what are we doing to, you know, keep our communities thriving. Um, so I've, I've been really interested in some of like the governmental like solutions to those things, like how DDAs are doing, you know, the patio zones and how those are transferring into the you know post-pandemic world and um, housing issues such as um, you know short-term rental properties and um, accessory dwelling units and finding you know solutions for housing issues and what do we do in communities that are built out you know when there are housing shortages without also you know drastically changing communities like these are probably the the biggest debates that I've been following. Um, over will the you, past couple of months. Well, you talk about DDAs. What's a DDA? So a DDA is a downtown development authority. And across Oakland County, there are 25 um, what are called Main Street organizations. And um, a DDA is just one of the mechanisms for funding a downtown. So if you think about downtown Ferndale or downtown Birmingham or downtown Holly, all these different places, you know, where we imagine like a sense of people coming together and you know, the businesses and the community and events and those kinds of things. That all happens usually because there's an organization that's behind the scenes making it happen. And that's anything from your, you know, most people think of the events, you know, the parades and festivals and stuff, but they are actually part of, um, you know, design committees that help to make sure businesses, you know, look a certain way and fit in with the atmosphere or um, development issues, such as how do we solve parking problems and how do we solve, um, you know, mixed use, you know, repurposing of older buildings. If something is, you know, an older building that's obsolete, 
what do we do with that? And having an organization um, like a DDA, which is, you know, the Downtown Development Authority, or like in Pontiac, I think you have a uh, principal shopping district. Um, there's also um, oh, corridor improvement authorities. Like they're, they're just different ways that the state allows communities to capture tax revenue and reinvest it in making those communities great. And you can see examples of that all throughout Oakland County. Uh, the acronym I liked best was Corridor Improvement Authority, because when you're, you're voting money for the CIA, that was always fun. Uh, but uh, so basically what a DDA or a uh, the CIA or uh, principal shopping district is uh, a, a becomes a local sort of governmental unit, an authority that has taxing power and can tax, uh, you know, and then do what the authority is meant to do. Is that correct? Yeah, um, you know, it does. It's the thing that is a little bit unique about it is that it doesn't raise taxes. What they do is, as you know, if you establish a DDA or any of these other organizations, as property values go up, they're able to capture money that would normally go to um, like Oakland County or Oakland Community College, the zoo, um, you know, different tax funding, you know, agencies, they intercept a percentage of that money to reinvest in the communities. So like one of the things that's been interesting recently is in um, downtown Lake Orion, there are a group of residents who are, you know, in general um, opposed, you know, to taxation and they want to disband the DDA. So they've actually started a petition um, that would remove them, you know, from, from having any authority in the area. And it would take the money that is currently going to that organization and send it back out to the different other governing agencies. So about 400,000 of it would stay local to the Lake Orion Village, and then another 400,000 would leave the community. Um, and then they wouldn't have, you know, this, there's like, you know, there's a director and there's a board and there's a whole bunch of volunteers and committees and all these things that go along with an organization, you know, to help the community. But in this case, they wanted to just get rid of that. And it, it, it looks like that's not, like they're not gonna be able to get enough signatures for that. Um, but it's very, very rare for communities to, you know, get rid of an organization like that once they have it, um, just because of all the things that they do manage in keeping a downtown, you know, vibrant and welcoming for businesses and residents. So that's been interesting. Well, you used a great term, intercept tax revenue. Uh, it's it's not that we raise taxes uh, on another level to give taxes to that uh, level of government. They, or it's called tax capture, uh, tax interception is probably even better. Uh, well done. Good job. Is that, uh, yeah. and, but it does leave the pot a little bit emptier for the other people, including the local government. Uh, and that, could be one of is is that one of the drivers behind Lake Orion's um, disenchantment? Yeah, so that is one of the issues that they brought up. But the challenge is, so if you're getting four hundred thousand dollars going back to the village, um, you know they've done all the the calculations on that. And once you take all the things that the DDA pays for, that they would still have to pay for as the village you're only actually left with a gain of 117 or excuse me 172,000 dollars to the village which when you're talking local government you know numbers to, to disband this organization for a gain of 172,000 
um, you're, you're not going to, there's not a whole lot of bang for your buck that you can do with that, with that level of money, you know, at a municipal level. Um, but that's how the math works out. So, um, well, they would get 400 back. It, it ends up not being as great of like a windfall as they would expect it to be. Yeah. Uh, I, another thing in my first go around in on the Oakland Board of Commissioners, and this is during the Patterson years, and they were extremely, very, very determined not to approve or renew any DDA, uh, any tax capture authority that did not have a sunset date. And that was um, uh, that was an explicit, explicit predication for approval or not approval was that they, this, they can't go on forever. They need to be re reevaluated. Um, is, is that an issue with uh, Lake Orion as well? No, I think that across the state, um, I, I researched where else had ended their DDAs or similar organizations. And I was only able to find two examples where cities were like, oh, this is working, but let's end it. Because if something's working well for your community, you know, and it attracts additional money. It's not just the, the tax money that comes in. It's the ability to attract grants and to manage grants into your community, um, the ability, you know, to work in like collaborative ways. So like with Main Street, Oakland County, all of those communities, you know, pay a, a little bit of a membership fee to be part of this organization, but they get all that extra knowledge and technical assistance, historical assistance, um, you know, graphics. There's a lot of things that come to them as part of being as part of these organizations. So across the state, there's only been two that I've been able to find. One is Pontiac, which had their um, DDA organization taken away under emergency financial management. So they have brought back like a nonprofit to sort of try and do that, but there's no um, no tax capture, you know, nothing that they have to work with to, you know, make to bring Pontiac back to, you know, being vibrant. And then the other one was a, a city up north called Buchanan, and they sort of had that same, um, you know, perspective of, you know, we should not have, you know, minimize what we're doing with taxes. Uh, and get rid of the DDA. They did in 2021, and they've had so many um, problems and economic challenges from getting rid of the organization that they're actually working now to, to bring it back and essentially start over um, with that organization because the loss was, you know, an obvious thing. So in my story, it even says, like, we shot ourselves in the foot by doing that was what the city manager up there said. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things that just brings you know, added value beyond just the dollars that are, you know, investing in, you know, invested in it. So most communities aren't interested in getting rid of them. Well, Birmingham has the principal shopping district, which is the uh, same thing. And it's been very, very successful. Uh, and, you know, come on down to Birmingham anytime. If you, and uh, yes, parking may, may be an issue at some points, but that's a problem with success. And yes, yes, we have torn up Brown Street to rebuild it. The, the dam roads have to be fixed somehow. Uh, and the, yeah, the downtown, uh, you know, it's been a, a real success and it can be. So do you see DDAs or PSDs or CIAs? Uh, are they on the upswing or decline, do you think? So I don't know that they're, well, Actually, I can't answer that. I, I was going to say that I don't think that they're, I think they're sort of developed out, but in reality, um, Main Street Oakland County is growing. Um, even in Pontiac, they've got the Main Street organization for downtown. There's actually a group of residents who um, are working on um, a corridor improvement authority, I believe, for Huron Street in Pontiac, which is another strip that has, you know, traditionally has had a lot of businesses on it, but certainly could use some 
um, you know, businesses coming in and filling vacant vacancies and stuff. So there is a group there that's working to do that. So we may not see any more, you know, like super planned out downtowns, um, but getting other corridor improvement authorities to use the same model has been really successful. And actually, I'll go back to Orient. I'll, I'll give you two examples, um, Orient and Madison Heights. So in Orient Township, on, on the border with Auburn Hills, um, they had one of their major roads become a corridor improvement authority. And it's not, you know, a visual downtown like you would think of Lake Orient, but it's still a way that all of the business revenue that's happening there um, can be spent on things that make the, the area better, like um, road improvements and, you know, pocket parks. Um, and signage and just different amenities to make that a more attractive place for businesses to go in and for people to feel comfortable, you know, walking through and using the areas and having a mix of green space and businesses. All of that gets done because there's a board that is intentionally making decisions about what's going to happen along that stretch, as opposed to here's a vacant property, let's build whatever there. Um, when you organize it that way and use that money as an investment, you get to decide how that road looks, you know, 5, 10, 20 years into the future. So it's a very intentional thing. Um, and like I say, it doesn't raise the taxes for people. It just means that, you know, less of that improvement is going to like the county and those other things. Um, and Madison Heights is another one that they're actually trying to build a downtown um, and make it you know, it won't be a historic downtown, you know, like Holly or, or Highlands is, but um, they're, they're, they're using the, um, oh gosh, I want to say it's the 11 mile in John R area as a development area um, and trying to make more plans for, you know, mixed use developments with green space where like the save a lot used to be and um, to build that up in a way that it feels like a walkable you know, shoppable kind of downtown as opposed to like, you know, the strip malls that they're sort of, you know, a yeah. lot of the community is. Yeah, just ribbon towns. Yeah, well, are you talking about uh, downtown Clawson, which has been very successful, I think. I love downtown Clawson. Uh, we're going to, this is, we can talk about this all day and we're going to have to take a break, unfortunately, but uh, we'll come right back with Crystal Proxmeyer, editor publisher of the Oakland County Times. Uh, we've been talking about downtowns and, uh, uh, we might uh, see about uh, what's coming to yours. Uh, Chuck Moss, don't go away. We'll be right back here on Ion Oakland. back to Ion Oakland. I'm Chuck Moss and your host. Let's get right back into it with Crystal Proxmire, editor publisher of the Oakland County Times. We're talking about downtown development authorities, corridor improvement authorities, whatever the authorities are that help build downtown. And I know they've been successful in Birmingham. They've been uh, good here. Let's, let's shift gears while we're still talking about uh, towns. Accessory dwelling units. What are those? So accessory dwelling units are, if you have a home and you've got space on your property, um, there in most communities, you can add on 
um, an apartment, either like above your garage or attached to your garage or a little building in the back of the building um, to serve as like a, a little, you know, gra granny house or, or whatever they call them. It's, it's ways that people who own property can add housing units to the property that they already own. And this is sort of coming up lately, um, you know, because we, we definitely do have a housing shortage all throughout Oakland County and pretty much everybody has housing shortages right now because we've got um, a lot of people that are, you know, living single these days and we've got a lot of older adults who, you know, don't necessarily want to live in their big giant house by themselves as they age um, and those they need places to go. So um, between that and the, you know, increase in rent costs because of the availability of apartments, it's something that a lot of communities are looking at. And so this came on my radar about a week ago, Oakland County hosted a, a planners gathering for all of the, you know, development professionals in communities to talk about, you know, what cities have um, these types of ordinances to encourage these kind of buildings and what people are, um, you know, what problems they're having, what challenges and what things that you can write into the ordinances to like make them work out okay. Um, and I think that's been just such a, a fascinating development. Um, between those and the short-term rentals um, is another reason I would say that this is coming up because um, there are so many homes that are now being turned into like Airbnbs, you know, where people are just renting out their homes for short terms instead of long-term renters. So we've got all of these different, you know, reasons why housing, you know, is an issue. So ADUs are kind of one of the solutions that communities are throwing around right now. Well, I know in Birmingham, the new 2040 plan has mentioned them, and it's it's quite controversial. Uh, I'll just say that, uh, you know, uh, it, it can be seen as an end run around the single family zoning. Uh, it kind of added. Yeah, that's definitely something that people are um, concerned about. So what they did in this presentation, this most recent presentation, they brought in people from um, Traverse City and Ann Arbor who, you know, they're, whenever there are housing issues, they're sort of on the forefront because, you know, Traverse City is this tourist town and, you know, you, you're having, especially with short-term rentals, people, um, you know, no longer having places for your workers to live. So, um, and they get a, such an influx of people that they're dealing with housing. And then in Arbor is a college town. So they both have their housing issues for different reasons. Um, and they've had their um, ADU ordinances a lot longer and they've been more, you know, aggressive about promoting them. Um, but the biggest pushback is from people who don't want ADUs. They don't want them in their neighbor's backyard. You know, they don't want more density. They don't want the, the fears that people have of, you know, are you going to have college kids living in the backyard that's right behind your backyard, um, you know, in Ann Arbor? Or, um, you know, what's going to happen in like Traverse City? Are these going to be used for, you know, parties on the weekends? Is that just going to increase the noise and the traffic in the neighborhoods? So there are definitely a lot of questions. And of course, the, the pushback has been, you know, from neighbors that don't want them. Um, but what they've also found is that you know, how, how can a city like Traverse City or Ann Arbor that's already built out accommodate, you know, the workers that need to come in and work there? So they've had ordinances to go around, like, some of the, the concerns, like the idea that the, the units are going to be used as rentals or, like, for student rentals. Um, the communities have said that the owner must live on site. 
So if it's you in your main house and your, you know, mother-in-law in, you know, in the back house or whatever, one of those two properties has to be occupied by the owner, you know, to make sure that there aren't, you know, parties getting out of hand or things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's probably like the main issue is, you know, we don't want them here, um, which happens pretty much anytime people try to add housing, you know, into residential communities, whether it's apartments or, you know, is your solution going to be to add, you know, uh, you know, 10 apartments on, you know, one property instead of a house? Or is your solution going to be to allow houses to add accessory dwelling units so that you don't have to necessarily go to, you know, big apartment buildings to get the space that people need in order to, you know, live in your community. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, and I love those issues that are like hard on both sides, you know, because it isn't like, this is a clear solution to everything because there's always, you know, things are always hard when you have to make tough choices. Well, I know in Birmingham uh, in, in 96, when we were doing the 2016 plan, uh, we approved uh, big garages, carriage houses. That was my ordinance, by the way. And uh, you know, so I was very proud of it. But uh, we, we went to great pains to say these are not uh, occupancy. These are not dwelling units. And we built one. You know, which is only fair. We use it for my wife's studio, but there's no, there's a bathroom, but there's no shower. There's no, uh, you know, it, you, you couldn't live there. You couldn't make that a, a dwelling unit. And that was extremely important to put in there that you can build a carriage house and you can do all kinds of stuff with it, but you can't use it for a, uh, you know, for as another, as another dwelling unit. And we certainly couldn't use it for rental. I mean, that was like a, a huge no, no, because, uh, the, the issue, the issue right now, and this is in Birmingham as well, is uh, densification. Uh, you know, is there kind of a, a, an end run to, uh, some will say subverting, some will say something else, the single family dwelling, a single family dwelling issue? Yeah, and that's, that's definitely the main, you know, topic that comes up when people start discussing, um, you know, these, these types of, of properties. Yeah, so uh, I know there's an election in Birmingham coming up, and I, you know, look, I'm not, I, I got no dogs in that fight at all, not even my own, my, myself is a dog. So that's good. Question is, uh, for the future for Oakland County, um, you know, is, is, is this, is this, is this going to be, you know, something every community is going to want to look at? So, and that's what they were sort of, that's what Oakland County right now is sort of trying to feel out is, you know, they're putting feelers out there to see are there communities that are working on this. Um, I know in Ferndale it's been sort of casually discussed, but I don't know if they're looking at it, you know, from a policy perspective of encouraging this. Um, but it definitely comes up, you know, in the forums and things like that, because, you know, there are a lot of times where you might want to have your own family members, you know, living in an accessory unit on your property. You know, whether it's your elderly, you know, parent that needs a place to live or your, you know, your young, um, you know, college age kids or whatever that don't have, you know, like rental apartments are, not, are very hard to come by right now. So having the ability to add those types of things onto your home um, is attractive to people in those types of situations. Um, you know, I think people assume that they're going to, you know, end up being like rented out, but you know, people figuring out what to do with their families is also a very real, um, you know, challenge for people. It's also sort of, it's also expensive. So 
even in communities like Traverse City and Ann Arbor that are really encouraging people to do this, they're not finding like massive numbers of people just adding on to their onto their houses. Um, you know, up in Traverse City, you know, there are people, um, oh, I forgot to write down the number. I think they've had like 60 of them um, over the past like 10 years since they've been really, you know, pushing this. Um, and it's just because the cost is really high. So it, it isn't necessarily that if a community approves these, they're going to get, you know, thousands of them popping up. Uh, it was like $350,000 to add on an apartment to a garage um, in Traverse City. So you're just not seeing a ton of them. And then you do get into those regulations. Like you said, you've got a bathroom out in your, in your garage. But to add, you know, a functioning kitchen and the functioning plumbing that you would need for someone to live there, you know, that, that's a big expense. Uh, but what they're also finding in both of those communities are people that sort of did those things, you know, makeshift apartments um, without getting permits for them. So that's also kind of been a problem because you're getting like half done kinds of, you know, like if, yeah, if you you're sold your house, somebody could, yeah. you know, rent that room to somebody because there's a bathroom in it. You know, it wouldn't be a fully functioning house for them, but they would try to make it be, you know, just because that's a place you know, with a roof and, uh, you know, a toilet in it. So, um, so that's another issue that they're sort of, um, you know, looking at is how do we get the ones that are already existing, you know, into compliance and inspected and safe and all of those things. Well, as someone who lived in the student ghetto in East Lansing in the 1970s, I can certainly understand why no, nobody would want me as a neighbor. Um, and as, a, as far as a mother-in-law suite or mother suite, my, my mother already still lives in her house and, and uh, she didn't let us party when we even lived there. Uh, so, you know, she's uh, she's doing fine. She's still independent. No worries there. But uh, yeah, the the cost of housing is, is an issue, but I, my understanding of Ferndale is that Ferndale is such a smashing success that you have, uh, uh, you know, the, the people that would normally have gone to Ferndale have all gone, kind of gone to Hazel Park and Hazel Park has had its renaissance now and Hazel Park is doing really well. Uh, similarly, Royal Oak, everything went out to, went out to Clawson and Berkeley. Uh, and these communities are all, are all having their own, uh, you know, golden age. So, yeah, I can't, you know, I don't know what to say. I do know Birmingham, if you, uh, anything that smacks of densification is going to have a fight, particularly this fall. Yeah, and that's it, true in a lot of communities. And that's, whether it's, um, you know, adding into the, the properties or adding in apartments, there's always resistance everywhere for them. But, but the challenge is that as, look, Ferndale is a great example. Ferndale you know, you could easily find a place to live for under $1,000 a month in Ferndale before the pandemic. Now, you know, there are apartments going for $2,000, $3,000 a month that were previously rented for like under under 1000 So the challenge really is, you know, it's, it's great that, you know, more people are moving in and property values are going up. But what happens to the people that you need in your communities to work at the restaurants or, you know, to teach at the schools or, um, you know, just the, the, the physical workforce that you need, you know, to maintain a community, you know, and I would guess that you know, in Birmingham, there are probably a lot of people that come from other cities to do those types of jobs. And, you know, and that continues to happen. But at what point, 
you know, how do, how do we solve that problem? So like in Traverse City, like they just can't get workers. And the teachers that are teaching in Traverse City are living in Cadillac and driving to Traverse City because there's just literally nowhere that anybody that works there can afford to live. And that's a long way away. Do we deal with that? Yeah. Oh, in, like it's, it's really bad up there. And that's why they're always the, you know, the forefront of, you know, these types yeah. of discussions. Well, these are, um, these are important issues and uh, they're obviously coming to you, your community. We, well, unfortunately, we're going to have to call it quits here. I appreciate your, somebody's got your fingers on the pulse on that. Lord knows we don't have mainstream media anymore that covers these things. And Oakland County Times, we'll put it up on the, uh, put up on the screen and go there if you want to see what's really going on and some in-depth discussion on Oakland County issues. Well, thank you, Crystal Proxmire, who is the editor and publisher, uh, the William Randolph Hearst of Oakland County Times. I'm 